Presenting the transcription feature, Superman! Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, star reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle against crime and injustice. As the Clara M., last of the old clipper ships, moves slowly through a heavy wall of fog, thrilling adventures are taking place aboard her. Quite by accident, Clark Kent and Jimmy Olsen have discovered that a piece of oil silk, which had been concealed in a secret compartment, is actually a treasure map. But just as they made this discovery, Pete Barnaby, peg-legged captain of the Clara M, entered their cabin and demanded the map. Kent, not wishing to reveal his Superman identity at that moment, handed it over without a word, with the result that Jimmy thought him a coward. As our last episode ended, Kent, Jimmy, and Pug Flanagan, the young stowaway aboard the Clara M, lay in irons in the brig, deep in the hold of the ship. It is now a few hours later. Jimmy and Pug, arms and legs manacled, are dozing off. Clark Kent, wide awake, is figuring out the best course to follow. Listen. If Barnaby hadn't left that oil lamp burning, I could change into Superman without any trouble. I'm afraid to take a chance, even with Pug and Jimmy dozing. The sound of one of these chains breaking might wake them up. I wonder if I ought to try it. Wouldn't do any harm, I suppose. If they do wake up, I can tell them I was trying to break the chains. I will try it. Now then... Let's see if these manacles that find Clark Kent will yield to Superman. I'll just expand the muscle of my right arm. Oh, oh hey, 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 did I hear something? What? Why, why, no. Oh, I heard something that sounded like a chain snapping. Yeah, that's what it sounded like to me. Well, both of you were dreaming, I guess. You were both dozing off, you know. Yeah, I was kind of dozing, but I wasn't asleep. I tell you, I heard something. Well, you probably heard nothing more than the sound of my chains as I shifted my position. Sort of cramped, and I moved around a bit. Yeah, that might have been it. Yeah. Why don't you two try to go to sleep again? I ain't tired. Me neither. Besides, it's hard trying to do any sleeping with that there lamp shining in my eyes. What did that old Wallace Barnaby have to go and leave it burning for? Yeah, that's what I'd like to know. The lights in that lamp disturbing you too, Mr. Kent? Well, you might put it that way, Jim. Too bad one of us can't reach it and put it out. Decidedly too bad. If that light was out, I could get some shut eye, maybe. If that light was out, I could do a lot of things. Yeah, but the light ain't out. Well, you so keep quiet about that light. The light was out, I could sleep better. But the light isn't out, so I can't sleep. Okay, Tom, okay, don't get sore. Oh, forget it. Mr. Kent, hmm? what do you think is happening up on deck? Well, Jim, I guess there's no doubt that Barnaby has set his course for the Indian Ocean. The map on that piece of oiled silk marked the Treasure Island as being just south of Sumatra. Well, when I think I was using that piece of oil silk to wrap up food I stole so I could keep it fresh with... Boy, didn't you ever look at it? No, nah, I was laying on the floor of that secret compartment where I was hiding. And I just... Hey, that light. Oh, you and that light. What about it now? It's flickering. The oil lamp is starting to flicker. That means it's going out, Philip. Yes, that means it's going out. The oil is all used up. All right, it's going out. So what? If it goes... See? It's out. Fine. I hope that's the end of that. Hey, ain't that swell? It's pitch black in here. The light ain't shining in my eyes no more. And get them shut eye now. You're going to get as sick of the darkness as you did of that light. Oh, now I'm starting to talk about it. Well, use of the darkness. Did you say something, Mr. Kent? Yes. Uh, I said I, I thought there was someone in here with us. Someone in this dungeon with us? Well, there wasn't anyone in here when the light went out. But there is someone here now, Jim. <laughs> Superman. Don't be silly, Jim. Who is it? Who's in here? 
Jim's right. Superman. I've come to help you, all of you. Superman? Is that the guy that... No time for talk, Pug. You can talk later. Now listen to me. This is what I want to do. You two boys are going to stay down here for a while. Yes, sir. Well, wait a minute. What about me, Superman? You, Mr. Kent, are going to come with me. I may need you. Now, here, let me get you out of those irons. Boy, listen to that guy bust those chains. Hey, uh, uh, Mr. Bustard, No, you... not now. I must work fast. If you're all set, Mr. Kent, come along with me. Yes, sir. I'm all set. Well, if you never believed in Superman before, Mr. Kent, you better stop believing in him now. All right, you boys. You'll stay here till I accomplish what I've come for. I'll return or send someone to release you. All right, Kent. Let's go. That door is locked, mister, and it's a heavy door made of oak. Hey, do you think One you're going to... One stroke with my fist against the lock. <laughs> hey, Jim, you hear that? He's done it. And now, Mr. Kent, after you. You see, Pug, I told you it was Superman. I told you you was... <laughs> it worked. My trick of talking to myself in two voices worked perfectly. Oh, thank heaven I was able to assume my guise of Superman without revealing my identity to the boys. And now... Now to settle matters with Teak Barnaby. And I believe I know where I'll find him. 50%, he's a 50% right there. Hey, you're caught. Stall that gab, I say, Limey. You're what to talk, Barnaby, you are. We're going to have our say, and you know no one else will stop us, so help me. You've always been a troublemaker aboard this ship, Limey. A troublemaker? Me? I leave it to the lad. Man's I asked you, did I start this squabble? No, was it me what started this argument about how the treasure will be split? No, Barnaby, it was you what started it. When you got us to sign on this here blooming ship, you told us that when the treasure was found, we'd all share and share alike. Now you try to tell us you never said no such thing. Hey, and I did not. No, you did not. Before you signed on, I told you plain. Fifty percent for me, I said, and fifty percent to be shared. Among the rest of you. You said no such thing. You we'll said... not argue about what I said or didn't say. I'm telling you now. It's 50% for me and 50% to be shared among the rest of you. And that's the way it'll be, whether you like it or not. And what if I don't like it? It's Superman. Superman. Evening, gentlemen. Fighting about the disposal of the treasure even before you've got it. A double take me. An excellent suggestion, Barnaby. Doubtless the devil would know what to do with you, but I'm afraid old Nick will have to wait, at least until the authorities in Metropolis get done with you. Oh, you look here to me. You may look plenty good in that blue suit and red cape of yarn, but I've dealt with your kind of awe. If you and think I... that knife will do you any good... Keep your distance. I can hit a matchbox at 20 paces with this knife. Take another step forward. All right. You ask for it. He's burning. Look out! Look, the knife with his chest and bounced off. He ain't hurt, he ain't. Jump him, you man. Jump him. Let him have it. Well, what are you standing there for? Jump him, I say. You jump him first, Captain. We'll jump him second. Yeah, right. Your crew have dealt with me before, Mr. Barnaby. I'm afraid they're not anxious to deal with me again. Now then, gentlemen, this is how things will be done from now on. Captain Barnaby here will be placed in irons at once. Boy, Quiet. My good friend Clark Kent will be master of this ship until she reaches Metropolis. You there, Scotty. Aye, sir. You'll be first mate. You're about the only one I can trust. You can put your faith in me, sir. Good. Your first job will be to take Barnaby below and put him in iron. After that, you're to release the two boys, Jimmy and Pug. Then turn this ship around and head back to Metropolis. Right, sir. 
Mr. Kent will be here to give any orders that may be necessary. Captain Barnaby here? I've got to see him. What do you want? Why, I... I, Heaven, help me. What's going on here? Never mind that. You're the radio operator, aren't you? What's the matter? A call of distress, sir. The tanker made of the mist. Bound for Cardiff. She rammed another vessel in the fog. What? They're both sinking about 20 miles southeast of here. Both ships going down fast, sir. Scotty, we'll change your course and head for those sinking ships. Aye, aye, sir. All right. On deck, you men. I'm following them Well, I guess I'd better get up on deck, too. Fog is just as bad as it was. Fire AM is too slow to reach those sinking ships in time. I'll have to go to the raid myself. Nothing to worry about here, not with Barnaby safe in irons. This is a job that will require the strength of Superman. So up! Up! And away! Put me in irons, would they? Manacle my hands and legs, eh? Well, I'll show them. My chance will come. And then maybe they'll realize they can do this to old Teak Barnaby. Why, by the seven seas of... Huh? What's that? Who's there? Who is it? Quiet, Barnaby, quiet. Oh, it's you, Lamy. What do you want? What have you come here for, Tiff? Gloat over me. Now, oh, you wrong me, Mr. Barnaby. Boy has nothing but respect and admiration for the locks of you, sir. You know I wouldn't do nothing like gloating over you, sir. What have you come here for, then? Well, to have a little talk with you, as you might say. I thought maybe if I was to help you, help sir... Me? Help me escape, you mean? Oh, I... I thought if I was to do that, you might, uh... Well, you might be willing to split that there treasure 50-50. You catch my meaning, don't you? You don't lose nothing, and... And I don't lose nothing. I suppose I agree. What have you got up your sleeve, Limey? I've got a belt all ready to be lowered away. I've stowed food and water aboard her, enough for five days. Now, here's me plan. I'll set you free. Together we open the sea cocks of this here tub. We should sink fast. We get to the way in the open boat and taking the treasure map with us, eh? We'll have to get the map first. Kent's got it. And we'll get it. Then we'll row to the mainland. With the map in our ends, we'll take the ship for Sumatra... And after that, there's a hundred ways of getting to that dead treasure island. Real captain? What do you say, eh? Well, I say, nice work, Limey. You're a man after my own heart. And I see that you don't lose nothing by it. Oh, don't you, Father? I'll see to that. Huh? Oh. Aye. <laughs> all right, all right. Come on, up to it. Get these eyes off me. Hurry. All right, but there's no hurry. Let's take our time, I says, and do a thorough job. Aye, a very, very thorough job. What will happen now? With Superman gone to aid the sinking packages, nothing can stand in the way of Limey and Teak Barnaby. Be sure to hear the next exciting episode of our story, With Superman. Tune in the next thrilling installment of the transcription feature, Superman. Up in the sky, look! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Superman! Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine.
Well, what do you make of this uh, Superman business? Episode 184, The Last of the Clipper Ships, 18, April 14th, 1941. Welcome to Superman Radio Revisited. I'm your host, Old Matt Cody. But I decided to have a co-host for this one. So let me introduce you to Cody Matthew. Welcome to the show, Cody. Thank you, Matt. And I appreciate the opportunity. So how do you want to cover this one? Well, I usually just highlight stuff in the episode that I thought was interesting and talk about why I loved it or how the serial could have went a different direction. Uh-huh. To start off, we had uh, Clark Kent, Jimmy Olsen, and Pug Flanagan locked up in manacles and chains. And Clark not wanting to break free because, although he could easily snap his bonds, he doesn't want to be observed by Jimmy and Pug while an oil lamp is illuminating the room. I don't think the radio serial to this point in the run has shown a Superman using his super breath. But you would think that would be the easy fix here. Just blow out the lamp. Yes. I've heard you talk in past episodes that you called Radio Superman Earth R Superman because he has differences in his continuity from what has been shown in the comics. Superman in the comics at this time doesn't seem to know that he can fly yet. Whereas in the serial he was flying since the second episode. In the radio serial, his x-ray vision doesn't seem to be as powerful as in the comics, but he can't see in the dark, through fog, blizzards, and dust storms. Yeah, that's right. And thanks for listening. I think we can chalk up the differences to the fact that Superman in the radio serial is being written by a different writer or writers than Jerry Siegel, who is the main writer in the comics. I doubt Jerry or Joe Schuster were getting a scent from the radio serial which is sad since they created Superman, but they sold the rights to the character to Detective Comics Incorporated in exchange for a check for $130. I'm going to stop you there, since the legal battles over the rights to Superman seems like an entirely separate podcast, with twists and turns that stretch on for decades. I'll just agree that it is an unfortunate thing that Jerry and Joe probably aren't getting any royalties from the radio serial since the comics they created are clearly the inspiration. Indeed. And I thank you for getting us back on the topic of this episode. So, when the oil from the lamp burns out, which is exactly what Clark wanted, we get to what is my favorite part of the episode, as Clark uses the dark as cover to act like Superman has arrived. And the conversation he has with himself and the boys is pure gold. It is a really great showcase for Bud Collier's acting as we get to hear his distinct takes on Superman and Clark. That must be a hard thing to pull off correctly, but I think Bud does it convincingly. Certainly Jimmy and Pug were fooled. That's true. Bud Collier is a real talent. I hadn't heard or seen this type of scene done with Superman before, but I do recall Adam West playing Bruce Wayne and Batman in the same scene on the show. It was like over the phone with Commissioner Gordon. And I always loved that. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think I've seen that one. Um, that was great. This scene is also giving us a leap forward as far as the status quo of the radio serial is concerned. Because Clark Kent is kind of just denied Superman's existence to Jimmy. And he's going to have to now act like Superman exists since he's now freed by him as far as Jimmy and Pug know. If you never believed in Superman before, Mr. Kent, you better start believing in him now. 
It's nice to have some development in the overarching scope of the radio serial. I look forward to Clark talking about Superman with Jimmy in future episodes. And Clark's going to learn to use this to his advantage, when he can say he is Superman's friend, and this can allow for Clark to act as a messenger for Superman, and he can get information that way. Back on the Clara M., we find out Captain Barnaby plans to keep 50% of the booty, and the other 50% is to be shared among the rest of the crew. Limey and the crew are obviously wanting bigger cuts for their share. Limey may want to watch his back. I wonder if he claims to have essential information needed to find the booty that he is keeping to himself. And that is why the crew doesn't just kill him and take the map. I like your idea there, Cody. While they are arguing, we have Superman arrive. And there was some great dialogue between him and Teak Barnaby. Oh, you look here to me. You may look plenty good in that blue suit and red cape of yarn, but I've dealt with your kind of awe. In this case, Flattery will get Captain Barnaby nowhere. His knife harmlessly bounces off Superman, and he orders the men to charge him. That was one of my favorite parts in this episode, how nobody was stupid enough to follow Captain Barnaby's orders. Some of them are still probably feeling the effects of the last time Superman opened up a can of whoop-ass when he shut down the mutiny. Yeah. Superman takes charge at this point and says Clark Kent will be made master of the ship. And since Scotty McTavish seems to be the only one he can trust, he names him first mate and orders Captain, or ex-Captain Barnaby, rather, to be put in the brig and the boys to be freed. Superman wants the Clara M to head back to Metropolis. And it's starting to feel like the last of the Clipper ships arc is drawing to a close. Yeah, if we didn't need to reckon with the news that the radio operator gave. What's the matter? A call of distress, sir. The tanker made of the mist, bound for Cardiff. She rammed another vessel in the fog. What? They're both sinking about 20 miles southeast of here. Both ships going out fast, sir. Scotty, we'll change your course and head for those sinking ships. Aye, aye, sir. Superman, being much faster, is going to leave the Clara M to head to the site of the crash, time being of the essence. He thinks things will be okay since Teak is in the brig. Yeah, but who comes to visit Teak? Limey. Correct. And an alliance is formed here. Limey seems like a slick operator. And I'm going with your notion that Teak has essential info to get to the booty. Why else would Limey want to team up with somebody he was at odds with? Barnaby will still get 50% of the booty. And he is willing to go along with Limey's plan, which is downright wicked as they plan to sink the Clara M, potentially killing everyone aboard. Do you get the feeling that either Teak or Limey will betray the other? Absolutely. The saying, no honor among thieves, springs to mind. Anything else you wanted to dis discuss about this episode? When the cat's away, the mice will play. That is to say, once the crew figures out Superman isn't around... I don't see them charting a course for Metropolis. We'll see if they chart a course at all, since Limey and Teak plan to sink the Clara M. What did you think of the cliffhanger? I thought it was effective. I'll be tuning in to your next episode for sure. Speaking of which, I am planning to have a co-host on that one as well. Oh, are you having me back on? It's not you. Uh, dang it. Well... Thanks for having me on this one. I had a lot of fun. My pleasure. As I was saying, 
because I need to wait for our schedules to line up, I'm not sure when the next podcast will come out. But I will get in touch with the mystery co-host after I listen to the next episode. Grab your bat microphone, it's time to start the show. Welcome to the Bat Pod, a Batman comic book discussion whoa, whoa, podcast. Whoa, whoa, what are you doing? That's my line. I'm starting the show. I was waiting on you, we're starting the show. I'm the one that says that. You're my new co-host, where we talk about back issues of Batman, could be in Detective Comics, World Finest. Could we do some Shadow of the Bat and maybe some Nightwing, maybe some Batgirl? Absolutely. Can we also define where my co-hosting parameters start and end? I can't start the show, but I can definitely co-host it. Well, maybe we'll let you start the show. Okay, at least I get to pick one of the books we're covering on each episode, and you can pick the other? Absolutely. Can I can I close out the show? Can I bring friends? Will there be snacks? What is your favorite bet snack? Cucumber sandwiches. Join Bill Beer and J. David Weeder every two weeks on the Bat Pod. You can find us on your favorite podcast app. Grab your headphones, listen up. You know you love it. Drop the facade. Like the Dark Knight Detective, they've got some perspective. They're a pure crime-fighting collective. It's the Bat Pod. Outside the radio serial, we had some famous birthdays. Bob McCammon, Canadian ice hockey coach for the Philadelphia Flyers, 1978-84. Vancouver Canucks, 1987-91, born in Kenora, Ontario, died in 2021. And Pete Rose, who was an American baseball utility, 17 times MLB All-Star, National League MVP 1973, World Series 1975, MVP 76 Cincinnati Reds, 1980 Philadelphia Phillies, and manager Cincinnati Reds, 1984-89. Banned for gambling, born in Cincinnati, Ohio. Pete Rose is one out of 15. He leads it off here in game five. And he hits a high drive into deep right. That was way back, and it is gone. He hits the first pitch for a home run. And the Reds lead very quickly, one to nothing. This is according to OnThisDay.com. What happened on April 14th, 1941? This first historical event is pretty somber, and it definitely puts us in the context of a world war, which is raging at this time over in Europe. First massive German raid in Paris. 3,600 Jews rounded up. 45th Boston Marathon won by Leslie Pawson in 2 hours, 30 minutes, 38 seconds. His third victory in the event. And King Peter leaves Yugoslavia. Thank you for retweeting the last episode to Rolled Spine Podcasts, at Rolled Spine, Diablo Frank, at Commander Blanks, and J.P. Rocha, at OD Fashion Outlaw. JP, that's the guy who sends in those Superman and radio articles, right? Yes, it is. I love those. Yes, I really do too. 
Over on Facebook, thank you to Russell Bragg for sharing the last episode. And I appreciate anybody who listened, enjoyed, liked, and please tell your friends. I think it's probably the best way to grow my listening audience. You got a galloping tongue. If you have comments, questions, or feedback, you can send an email to EarthRSuperman at gmail.com. I'm on Twitter, at Radio Superman, and there is a Superman Radio Revisited Facebook group I would love you to join. <laughs> it worked. My trick of talking to myself in two voices worked perfectly. Oh, thank heaven I was able to assume my guise of Superman without revealing my identity to the boys. Thank you for listening to Superman Radio Revisited. Superman was created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster and is copyright DC Comics. The theme song was Lament of the Last Clipper by Man's Ear. In all clips and music used is copyright the respective copyright holders. Easter Monday, the 14th of April, 1941. Nella Last Starry. Last night... A noise like the crack of doom sounded and brought us springing from our beds to rush downstairs. And my husband said crossly, it's only an explosion somewhere. If it had been a bomb, there would have been the sound of a plane or the alert. I'm going back to bed. Just then, the alert sounded and a plane flying so low that we feared for our housetop. Our gun fired one volley, then stopped. There was a frightful bang, crack, bang. The rattle of machine guns and the sound of chaser planes. The noise was terrifying, all so near and low down. Nothing more happened after the sound died away as if the enemy was chased far out to sea, and after the all-clear, we went to bed. This morning, my husband was called out early, and he worked hard all day, with all the men he could collect to board up shop windows. There was only one stick of bombs, but the destruction from the two they have found is unbelievable. One big commercial hotel got one, and a little street the other. The former and four houses of the latter are just piles of rubble, and no one was saved from them. I could not have believed so few bombs could do so much damage. It made me sick to think what two airplanes and about four bombs could do to our town. After taking out the big ton-and-a-half bomb dropped last week, the experts said that it could have laid all in ruins for two square miles. And I believe it now. Bulging walls, gaping windows, hundreds of broken panes of glass, crazily leaning chimneys, flying ambulances, dirty, tarred, home guard, wardens, ordinary citizens in demolition gangs 
working like men possessed, with their shovels and picks going like clockwork, as if to the sound of a hidden shanty. Dazed-looking men, who were piling mattresses on hand carts, where people had been ordered to evacuate. Crowds of quiet, white-faced spectators, who needed no pass along from the guarding police and home guard. They wanted to see, but not to linger over the sight of destruction. My husband said, I think we will order an indoor shelter after all. We've ordered one by tonight's post and we'll put it up in the lounge. I'll keep the rubber camp beds blown up, ready in the shelter and have rugs and blankets easy to get at. We have talked about it long enough. My husband doesn't like to make decisions of any kind. And if I make the pace too much, he takes the other road. It makes him stubborn. So I've to be very tactful. Today has shown him how quickly a house or building can be a heap of rubbish.